You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, it is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl 57 is finally here, and it's kind of a a bittersweet moment because football season will be over. Uh, yes, we have the USFL in town, which I don't know that anybody is that excited about. Uh, not yet. New head coach, uh, Mike Nolan. Maybe Did, one day. Were you ever part of a team with uh, Mike Nolan as, as, as a coordinator? Uh-uh. No? Uh, no. He was... He bounced head coach a little bit, didn't he? Like Atlanta, he was, maybe. I think he had, was he in... Atlanta or Denver? Yeah, sounds um, about right. Might have been Denver. He was the first defensive coordinator um, that I knew of as a professional with the uh, with the Washington Redskins in '99. He was a defensive coordinator, so I, I've got a, uh, a re- respect for him and what he's been able to do as a coach. I think he's going to be a good coach for the Panthers, but that's not what we're here to talk about. He's been out of the game for a little while, hasn't he? A too? year. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, but All right, Michigan Panthers, woo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the Super Bowl. And I know we talked about the bye week. You had that experience of playing in the Super Bowl, going through the bye week, and I was talking to you off air regarding, like it kind of feels like the last couple of days I've kind of been like, eh, for the Super Bowl. And I'll be excited this weekend when it comes, but as a player, obviously the bye week is can be hugely important. Getting healthy, getting you know everything settled, going to the Super Bowl, all of those different things. As a fan, do you have a different perspective now? Like, would you rather just see the Super Bowl played the week after the the conference title games? Well, yeah, selfishly, I think we all would. We hate yeah. that week off. I mean, watching, uh, you know, I got I don't even know what they call it, the Pro Bowl games. Like, yeah. you get a little bit of taste of football, but at the same time, you're just it's like, really no, it's, that's not that's not filling at all. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I you always hate the week off, right? Because it's it's just so awkward. It's yeah. been like five months. Every weekend we sit, we watch football. Like that first weekend where football's done, it's like, what do I do? Like, do, what do I? Do? There's nothing to do, you know. Like, I'm not really into hockey or basketball, so it's like I just don't know. But um, I don't know. Selfishly, yeah, I wish we had football every single weekend. I'm with you though. I mean, every time, but I feel like it's the same every year. I feel like. Uh, that week off between championship weekend and Super Bowl 
you're always kind of like you're missing it a little bit too much. But same time, when it does start to rev the week back up for Super Bowl week, you're like, okay, yeah. I'm trying to get myself excited. Now I know by you know Friday, Saturday, and certainly Sunday, we're all going to tune in and be excited to watch. But um, yeah, another thing too. I mean, this matchup. I mean, yeah, they're two obviously the two best teams that we saw all year, two number one seeds going at each other in Philly and KC. But there's really no like drama kind of built around this game you know yeah there's no like rivalry, there's no like right no... yeah the biggest thing they're trying to make it is like the kelsey brothers going against each other and it's like yeah that's cool and all but there's really no like yeah. uh you know like meaty rivalry or meaty storyline that you know are gonna juice people up and get you excited to to go watch that part of the of the story you know it's just uh too well, what have two been two juggernaut teams going at each other? And um, I'm kind of missing like the I'm kind of missing the dirt a little bit. I'm kind of missing the the drama leading up into the week. Maybe we'll get some this week. I hope God. I hope nobody does anything stupid. You know, getting in trouble. But uh, yeah. you miss some of that drama. It's like, man, where is that? Right. That kind of adds to the storyline. Always makes it more interesting. But I'm sure by Sunday, by kickoff, whatever six six thirty, whenever it is, you know. We're all going to be glued in front of our TVs. And oh yeah! Can't wait to watch, man. It's the it's the freaking Super Bowl. It is, and and so it's we'll the talk biggest about the game, game of them all. We'll we'll talk about the game here in just a minute. But um, is there any special menu uh, for the Lang household for the Super Bowl? I mean, very. I would say just traditional. You yeah. know, uh, we usually. Uh, have you know, a few few people over, not a bat, big party or anything, but you know maybe ten, twelve people, some kids, you know, some of my kids' yeah. friends, and give the kids something to do. But chicken wings are, are a must. You know, I love okay. these little, you know, sometimes the Italian meatballs, you know, the small ones. Sure, you can either put barbecue sauce on them. You know, my wife made this. It's almost like a spicy grape jam that go. They're out, outstanding. You wouldn't wait, think wait, they're wait. good. Grape jam. You think, it's like a grape jelly that you mix with some sort of hot sauce. I'm telling you, it sounds jelly on top I, of your meatballs. I had the same exact reaction you did when she told me she was making it. I was like, just stick with the barbecue. Yeah. And she made it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, pretty damn good. <laughs> we could have that every party now. I like it. But is there some typical. Spice yeah, there is. A little bit of spice, a little bit of sweet. It's almost like oh. a sweet and sour. Uh, it's solid though. Um, my favorite, man. I got to tell you, just this to snack on. Probably the jalapeno poppers. You know, you you take uh, you, you scrape the jalapenos out. Oh, you sure. have them. You mix in some uh, cheese, some breadcrumbs, some bacon. You sprinkle it on. You bake it. Get a little crispy top. Like that's always a go-to for my house as well. And um, well, I got a little twist. A lot of a lot that. of snack stuff. You know, just a lot of traditional chicken wings. You know, just little tiny yeah. you know hand foods and pick at for you know two, three, four hours before the game, during the game, after the game. That's that's pretty much what how we roll on Super Day Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. So we're gonna start a new tradition in the Jansen House, but we're not gonna stray from one that we've had going. The one that we've had going is kind of a spin on your jalapeno poppers, and and I think our listeners know that every year, I only make them once a year, and it's my bacon bombs. It's a tater tot. You put a little uh, slice of cream cheese on top of the tater tot, a jalapeno, a little slice of jalapeno on top, and you wrap it in bacon. Oh, you've told me about this yeah. before. Yeah, um, love those, and so those obviously will happen. Now, do you bake Sunday. them? Do you fry yeah, them? How do you them. do it? You yeah. just put yeah. them in the oven. 
you know what? I've tried frying them before, and because of the way I put the cream cheese in there, it just kind of yeah d- destroys the whole fryer and and you know doesn't do well. So you gotta it, now you gotta make the bacon bump, but you gotta wrap it in like a. Oh yeah, you, you know, like a little breading or something. Then no, you no. could then you could deep fry it. Then you could deep fry, yeah, yeah. Then it'll you stick together. Dip it in a little tempura. Uh, yeah, sure. You could deep fry it. Put a little definitely. flour on it. I may try that, uh, but no. So we do the bacon bombs, but this year we're going with um, a food that is specific to each city. All right. So for Kansas City, and and I kind of fell into this one because I always make ribs. So. We yeah. thought, okay, well, if we're doing the ribs for Kansas City, we're going to have to do cheesesteaks for Philly. So we're going to have kind of a combo of appetizers will be the bacon bombs. And then for our meal, which we'll eat sometime around halftime, maybe a little bit before just because it's going to be a little later for the kids, um, we'll have ribs uh, on on one side and then we'll have some Philly cheesesteaks on the other and It'll be the first time I'm making a Philly cheesesteak at home. So I'm going to have to make sure I go get some cheese Whiz uh, and try a bunch of different uh, types of cheese. But um, for the most part, that's that's going to be the menu uh, at our house. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up for this. That's, it was my wife's idea to add the cheesesteaks. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you can't really go wrong with meat and cheese on bread. I mean, no. that's, uh, that's yeah. a pretty uh, uh, simple man's uh, delight right there. It is, and, and, and one of the one of the tweaks I'm going to make is I love, I love like you know giant pretzels. I love pretzel buns on burgers. So I'm going to go with the the hoagie style pretzel bun for my cheesesteak. And I know it's a little bit thick. And I know those from Philly would would disagree, um, but you're not in my house, so I don't care. Uh, so that's that's going to be for for that. So when the game kicks off, let's talk about that a little bit. We've got kickoff. We've got Chris Stapleton with the, the National Anthem, which I think is going to be uh, really, really good. When the game kicks off, what's that moment like for the players? I've never experienced it. Obviously, you have. You've got this two-week buildup. You've got the whole season that you're, you're looking back on. You've finally gotten <clears throat> to the, the, the one spot. Spot in all of sport that everybody would love to be. Every football player dreams about that moment. What is that moment like right before kickoff? I got to tell you, I think the biggest adjustment that takes a little bit of time is uh, the neutral field, right? You're either used to going in front of your home fans or yeah. you're used to going on the road and, and being rowdy. You're not used to – that's the only time in football where half the crowd is for you, half the crowd's for the other team. And right? there might be and some people that are indifferent. They're yeah. just there for the Right, for the game. or just fans, right? Just people, you know, going to the Super Bowl. But um, that took – I mean, that honestly took a while to adjust, right? Because you always get momentum swings um, and different sort of energy uh, from the crowd, you do, whether it's a home game, whether it's an away game. If you hear a loud roar, you know, that can juice you up a little bit. That gets your adrenaline going. If you hear, you know, and you're, you're an away game and you hear the crowd go silent, start booing, like as an away team, that, that gets you going a little bit, you yeah. know. Um, the fact that it's loud the whole game, whether you're on offense or defense, uh, I think, you know, the first couple plays, first couple drives, it is a weird feeling. It really is. Um, and that's the only time as a professional football player that you get to experience that because you're either home or away. You're, you don't play neutral site like, you know, they do in college now. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think, was, was the biggest adjustment. Um, the other thing, I mean, just – you talk about the adrenaline that you get usually before every game. And for me, I was the player where, you know, I, I would I would always 
get really high, you know, like about an hour before the game, right? And then I had to somehow calm myself down so I didn't expend energy sitting in a locker room or going through warm-ups. And I I always used to go in the locker room and I would put on like some classical music on my headphones just to try to calm me down a little bit because I would get so damn riled up. Um, Yeah, yeah, really. (laughs) Just like classical piano piano and, uh, you know, just to try to like get the heart rate down a little bit. But when you take the field, for me it was always the national anthem. When the national anthem kicked off, and, you know, the last 10 seconds of it, I mean, I teared up probably most of them, you yeah. know, I, I got emotional, like I got, that's where the, like the last big adrenaline rush that you get uh, before a game, for me at least, um, is it's go time, let's go, there ain't no turning back, let's go, like this game's about to start, we gotta do it, and Super Bowl weekend, you just understand, obviously, how big that game is, right, um, me going into it, I was only my second year, probably took it for granted because you know when you're a rookie or a second year player you get to the Super Bowl you're like wow that wasn't that hard you know we just got to win some game 10 years later I mean I never got back to that game I mean I wish I would have understood how big the moment is as a young player but uh just uh, handling the emotion to start the game you know you had two weeks of preparation. Every every stone, you know, has has been turned. I mean, you you've literally dotted every I, crossed every T. You know what I mean? And it all all it is is about performing there. And um, you know, you figure out what kind of player you are. You figure out what kind of player you are under the, those kind of pressures and under that kind of stress and under that kind of microscope, uh, where you know the entire world's watching you. Like that that just the first five minutes of that game, uh, thinking back to it was such a emotional and physical rush, you know, that just, it was unbelievable. It's something that I've never felt outside of being in that moment. And then obviously the last couple minutes when, you know, you realize you're about to win that game. Uh, it was just, I mean, every piece of energy, every work, every minute that you put into uh, getting you to that moment t- finally comes to fruition. And it's yeah. just, I mean, it's obviously, you know, the best feeling in the in the freaking world, man. But to kick that game off, I just, I wish I could simulate the, you know, the goosebumps that I felt and the adrenaline rush that you get. Because as a professional athlete playing in a championship game, I mean, that is the, that's the pinnacle. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, in this game, let's talk about it a little bit because it's pretty much a pick em. Uh, right now, uh, the Eagles are given one and a half, and you've got Patrick Mahomes on one side. You got Jalen Hurts on the other. Two, not re- in terms of skill set, I wouldn't say extremely different. Other than Patrick Mahomes, just does everything a whole lot better. He is a mobile quarterback. How much will his ankle limit his playing style? Jalen Hurts, obviously a mobile quarterback that has improved as a passer since he's been in the NFL, and he's still got that shoulder that he's dealing with. How much do you think those injuries will, I don't want to say dictate the outcome of the game, but dictate the style for each offense to play with? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I mean, both quarterbacks are certainly not what they were, uh, you know, to close out the season. I know Hurts got hurt there with a couple weeks left. Mahomes got hurt uh, in that divisional game um, when he rolled his ankle. He he didn't look the same in that conference uh, championship game against Cincinnati. Uh, Wasn't scrambling as much, wasn't moving around as much, wasn't... You know, the typical Patrick Mahomes that you see extended plays, uh, getting out of the pocket. He did have make a cut. I mean, obviously that that rush at the end of the game where he took the personal foul was, you know, a dumb play by Cincy, first of all. But that was really the only time you saw him move around in that game uh, when he had to. Um, he's not the same. He's not. And I look at that and I say... You know, if your quarterback's going to be limited a little bit, you're going to have to have other guys step up. You're going to have to have other playmakers that you can rely on. And when you look at Kansas City's offense, you know, we all obviously know, hey, Travis Kelsey's that guy, right? He's the guy that gets all the targets. Um, Everything goes off of him. Uh, And then who else do you got? You know, you got Jarek McKinnon. You've got, you know, McCole Hardman, who's going to be out, I believe. Sky Moore, rookie, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who up until that conference championship game, it was more of a gadget style of player for him. Now he made some couple good plays and you know, ended up with over 100 yards in that game against Cincinnati, stepped up. But are those going to be players that are going to be able to do that again against a better defense, against what's been, you know, one of the best pass rushes and one of the best uh, coverage secondaries there is in the league? Um, those are – you're going to have to run the ball. And I look at both sides of the ball and I say – you're going to have to run the ball because on the flip side, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes and, and his ailments with the with the ankle, uh, Jalen Hurts to me hasn't looked the same. I mean, whether it's running the ball or whether it's throwing the ball down the field. I mean, in the divisional round against the Giants, you know, they ran for 250 yards. I mean, yeah. he threw the ball. I think he only threw for, you know, 140 yards in that game. And then you go to the game against San Francisco. Once again, you know, they're just pounding the rock. I think he threw for 120 yards that game. Uh, you know, and 25 of them, the longest pass to Devontae Smith early in that game, shouldn't have counted. You know, they looked at the replay a couple minutes later and they were like, oh, maybe we should have looked at that one, right? So you're talking about, about a guy that's throwing for like 100, 120 yards a game. I mean, 
you got to rely on the run game, right? He, he doesn't look like he can throw the ball down the field, and I think they have kind of underplayed uh, what his shoulder issues have been. Um, and certainly you see it when he runs the ball too. I mean, even when the when he's running the ball, he's not doing the, you know, Jalen Hurts we saw, you know, in week 14, diving, lowering his shoulder, getting extra yards. It's basically get what you can and get down. You know, he hasn't – he's been limited in that playmaking ability where he can break off long runs. Uh, just because he's – you know, I, I think he doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't want to beat that shoulder up a little bit. So for me, it's about it's, – it's John, it's, it's, it's really about the run game. You know, I don't think I don't see this as being a high-scoring game. I see it as both teams uh, trying to establish the run, trying to keep yourself in manageable third downs, um, and mix in the play-action passes when they have to. I don't think this is going to be some sort of uh, shootout where we see maybe either quarterback get over you know 250, 260 yards. I think it's going to be a ground game. And if I just had to pick, I mean, Philly I think has been the more consistent in that aspect of the game. They've been much better uh, running the ball, whether it's four, five, six-man boxes, you know, on defense, um, you know, whether you're spread out and you're running the ball. Just because Jalen Hurts has that, he's that threat to run the ball, right? And we saw that against San Fran. He didn't kill San Fran with his legs, but just the fact that they had to respect him and they had to keep somebody on the backside. And now resources. somebody playing linebackers thinking, oh, I'm going to guess, I think Hurts is you know, pulling the ball and he hands it off. You see those wide open, you know, gashing rush lanes uh, that really Philly has been the only team all year that consistently does that every single week. So I think that their ground game is going to be the difference. And Kansas City, in my mind, just they're not consistent enough with it. You know, they're not They try. It's almost like they try to run the ball because they feel like they have to. Right. It's not it, they're not a team that you look at and you say, uh, you know, they're going in every single week and their emphasis is on the ground. Their emphasis is on run blocking. Their emphasis is on, you know, smashing the ball between the tackles. They, they don't look like that. Philadelphia does. And I think that's going to be a big difference. And when you look at their offensive line, their defensive line, probably been two of the most, uh, two of the best consistent units in all of football um, from week one to where we are now heading to the Super Bowl. So I think Philly's going to have the slight edge. When you is there a matchup that that you're looking at? And I'll give you mine first. When I'm watching this game, I am very interested. Obviously, I think Philly has the best offensive line in the NFL this year. They've been very consistent. They've been a little bit banged up at the end of the year, but they've been able to basically field the same offensive line, the same unit all year long. But then I look at uh, the matchup I want to see is Chris Jones. Uh, against this offensive line. And it's the ability for Kansas City to create those one-on-one matchups. Where does he line up? We've seen him line up basically uh, on top of every single offensive lineman. Yeah. We see him, they, the, the versatility that he can play with. Now, you're not going to line him up as an edge rusher you know, 50, 60 times a game, but those four or five times that he lines up out there, it's a changeup that some tackles just aren't necessarily ready for. And it's... It, it, I mean, he's a big dude coming downhill who's who's a great athlete. He's got some shimmy and shake to him. I'm watching Chris Jones and how he can affect this Philly offense. Yeah, and to me, I mean, we think of when I think of Chris Jones, you think of uh, one of the better interior pass rusher D, yep. D tackles um, in that Cincy game in the championship weekend. I mean, he had two sacks, I think five more quarterback hits. And like you said, a lot of those were coming from 
hey, let me move to the outside. Let me move over yeah. the right tackle because we know it's going to be hard to double team. If I line up a three tech next to me, you know, that guard's not going to be able to just overset and go get a thump on the defensive end. You're not going to be able to do that. Uh, if you line them up over the center of the guards, it's pretty easy for the offense to dictate, hey, we, we're just going to slide the protection this way. Center, get on the inside shoulder and, you know, get two hats on him. Um, I think the way that they move him around is going to be key. How do they find those one-on-one adjustments? Because Philly's a team, look, they don't do a bunch of traditional dropbacks, you know, where it's just five, six-man protection. I mean, a lot of it comes off the play-action game, mm-hmm. uh, which means you're getting two, if not three, double teams almost every single pass play. Uh, if you're able to force him into third and long, certainly you have to have, it rely on Chris Jones to find a one-on-one matchup somewhere on that offensive line. But when you look at the offensive line of Philadelphia – Where's that mismatch going to be, right. right? I mean, Jason Kelsey, whether he slides right or slides left, I think both their guard spots are are solid. Uh, not the strengths of their team, though. Is he a guy you just want to put on Lane Johnson and say, hey, go battle it out, you know, best on best? Probably not. You're going to try to find a mismatch. But when I look at Chris Jones, though, I think he's going to have to make uh, a bigger impact in the run game than he does the passing game. Uh, he's going to have to find a way to just shut down the middle of that Philadelphia ground game, right? Um, too many times, and you saw it even against San Fran where, you know, Jalen Hurts hands the ball off and it's like a gap eight yards wide. And it's like, my goodness. I mean, I know Miles Sanders is a good player, but you could give the ball to, you know, me and I could probably get you 15 yards on that run too, right? <laughs> because you know they're kicking ass a little bit. So I think Chris Jones, if he makes a big impact in the run game, if he's able to uh, limit at least those explosives that Philly just lives off of in the run game, uh, he's certainly going to have a big impact on that game. Just because I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see a way where this game, you know, plays out and Philly's going to give you, you know, 15, 20. Uh, pass rushes to go hit the quarterback. That's just not the style of offense that they play. So I think we're in alignment then. If I'm if I'm listening to everything that you're saying, you're picking Philly to uh, to, to be victorious in this game? I think so. I, I think they've just been the more consistent team, and they've honestly been the more dominant team. You know, like the way that they're going about their business just – you know, beating the Giants, what, 38-7, to seven, beating 49ers. And, look, I know Philly's quarterbacks were basically uh, cadavers by the end of the game just yeah. handing it off. Uh, but still, you know, putting 31 points up on that defense. Um, they've just they've just found a way to be it's consistently – Yeah, but just consistently dominant, you know, taking care of the football, getting takeaways on defense. That's been their recipe, and they've been able to do it. Now uh, – I I feel weird saying this because I think Patrick Mahomes is actually one of the more likable superstars in in the game today. Mm-hmm. Um, just seems like a solid kid, you know, a good guy, hard to root against. Yeah, I mean, does kind of have that villain role, but I think anytime that you consider somebody the best and the greatest uh, at what they do, there are always going to be some people that you know, want to see him fail a little bit, right? Um, that's just kind of human nature, but it's hard to pick against him, but when you just look at the everything in totality and 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 on the whole, I just I think Philly has just been uh, they've been on a little bit of a different level. I think Kansas City. You look at their offense and you say, okay, if we shut this down, you know, we shut down the run game, we're pretty much good. You look at Philly and it's like, okay, if we shut this down, we got to worry about that. Now, if we shut that down, we got to worry about these other two things. You know what I mean? Philly is just they're almost too exotic and they're almost too good at 
almost everything they do to worry about one aspect of the game to shut down, right? Yeah. Most teams, hey, if you shut down this part of it, you know you've got to have a good chance. Philly, it's like we got to shut down three of these, and good luck. Yeah, um, and so, I mean, having said that about Patrick Mahomes, I agree, he's fun to watch, he's a likable kid, uh, and they've had great success. Is there any concern that if he doesn't get a win in this Super Bowl, they've been so dominant in the regular season and honestly throughout most of the playoffs for the past five years that there becomes this question mark of Patrick Mahomes getting so many bites at the apple but only having one Super Bowl to show for it? Yeah, I mean, I think this game is huge for his legacy, right? Because that every team has a window. And they've obviously been living in this window now for, what, the last five years, making yeah. it to five straight uh, championship games. Only having one Super Bowl uh, to speak for that is it's not good enough, you know? And kind of almost in the same position now. I know Aaron Rodgers didn't play in that many championship games in a row, but, you know, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the talent that he has, and uh, in my opinion, you know, you can't really say the greatest of all time because I think Tom Brady has proven that you know he belongs in that title just based off of what he's done uh, with multiple teams and the seven Super Bowls. But Aaron Rodgers, to me, has always been the most talented quarterback that I've ever seen. Um, Patrick Mahomes is getting close. Some of the things that he does is like I, I, there's only a, under two guys that can make that throw, and it's Mahomes and Rodgers. Yeah. Um, but it's almost the same story as Aaron Rodgers, right? All those years where, um, you know, he was a, the best player. He was the MVP. He was getting to the championship weekends and, you know, only one Super Bowl to show for it. You know, those are all kind of questions that, yeah, when you think about somebody's personal legacy and who they are and where they're going and, you know, the greatest of all time and those conversations that we like to have nowadays, I think this game is huge for his legacy because Kansas City – Look at, I mean, the window's going to close eventually, right? The window's going to shut down eventually. Travis Kelsey ain't getting any younger. You know, some of your offensive linemen that have been pretty good, Chris Jones ain't getting any younger. You know what I mean? Like, they're still in that window, but is this the last year of that window? Do they have one more year after that? Right? Those are questions that we just don't know because teams like Buffalo, teams like Cincy, they're only going to continue to get better. Um, so if you're Patrick, yeah. And you look at Patrick Mahomes and you say, man, if this, this isn't the one that he gets it done again to get that second, you know, elusive second ring, it would, it it honestly would be a shame to see because he's that good of a player, but you know, I'm sure he's feeling the pressure. I'm sure he's feeling the stress of that as well, because yes, they did win a Super Bowl what, four, four years years ago. Um, but if they don't win it again, I mean, I think you can make the argument that they've been maybe one of the most disappointing teams the last, you know, five, six years. Well, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, Super Bowl titles, not in terms of wins throughout the course of the year, uh, playoff runs. But, um, hey, we're going to get a chance to, to return to Lions talk next week uh, as we enter the official start of the offseason. Uh, but I hope everybody enjoys uh, a safe and fun Super Bowl week. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> you do too many podcasts. <laughs> yes. We'll talk to you next week on Necessary Roughness.